The Discussing Network presents Discussing Comics. I am Kyle Jones and following up on the heels of having Shannon Perry on About Eyes 9, I thought it would be really cool to have the visual representation of Eyes 9 joining us, Lucas Elliott. Lucas, welcome. How are you? Hello. Thank you. I'm doing well. Thank you for having me here. Well, I thank you for being so patient with my wibbly-wobbly, timey-wiminess and getting our time zones kind of backward. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Glad you're here. So I want to talk Oz 9, but before I talk Oz 9, I want to talk about you. For everyone listening, tell us what are your artistic roots and what led you to become an illustrator. Let's just get that straight out of the door. What led <laughs> you to become an illustrator? Yeah, let's let's start with the hard questions. I like that. Yeah, what are my artistic roots? Well, a long, long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. No, I'm kidding. Well, I came from an art, artistic family. My mom was an artist growing up, and uh, she eventually moved into teaching. Uh, but she was very much somebody who helped to share my my love of art. You know, somebody that I could I could work with in that respect. My grandmother was actually the one that really got me into comics. She bought me my first my first comic, which was a, a DuckTales comic. And it kind of all you know spiraled from there because when you have an artist and you've got somebody who's feeding your artistic habits, uh, it, you just kind of keep going with it. But yeah, I really just love to draw. That was my big thing. I just drew as a kid. I just I wanted to tell stories. I started drawing my own stuff. My cousins and I would would draw. My friends and I would draw and make stories. And eventually it got to a point where, uh, funny enough, when I was in high school, my, my family and I went to Disney World and I got to watch somebody working on uh, on a movie. And I just was like, wow, I can do this as a job? Like, I can get paid for this? Yeah, let's do this. And being in Alaska, it's not necessarily a job that a lot of people are super familiar with or how to, to work with it. So I had a lot of people growing up that were like, are you sure you want to go this route? And I just kept pushing and pushing. And I've been doing this job for over 10 years professionally at this point. And I say, uh, I say I've done pretty good with it so far. So what was that point where you, now I don't, I don't want to say convinced yourself, because I think just from that story alone, I think you were convinced. But where was that point in that timeline where you felt like I'm real? In other words, this is not just something I'm saying I'm wanting to do, but it's real. You know, I I knew I was serious about it when I started downloading uh, job applications to Disney and Pixar and other places, and I had them I had them taped on my wall. I uh, I said, well, what do I got to do? Where do I got to go? Who do I got to connect with? And uh, this was well before social media. So it was it was kind of like, all right, well, I, I'm this kid that lives in Alaska. Let me see what I can do. And I just knew, well, if I go to school and I get a degree and I do this, then this will get me to my next step. And so uh, I don't have those those job applications anymore. I kind of I kind of wish I still did. But that was kind of the point where I just was like, all right, I'm going to be serious about this. This is what I got to learn. So let's bring it to Gated Galaxies, Eyes 9, Shannon Perry. Where in your timeline did you become associated with the crew that is now the Eyes 9 crew? Because I think there's a story there. So how did that happen? So after I graduated college, I 
got my business degree or business license and I was like, cool, I'm going to start doing shows. I'm going to start selling. And one of the first shows that I wanted to do was Emerald City Comic Con. I had gone to San Diego Comic Con as an attendee the year before and I loved it. It was a great experience, but you know, shuffling through the crowds and trying to connect with people in that way, just, it wasn't my jam. And I knew right then and there, I was like, look, I'm going to have a table at a comic con and I'm just going to start hustling. So 20, I want to say 2013, 2014, around that area, I got my first table at Emerald City Comic Con, Artist Alley, started selling there, and I, I, up until recently, that was a show that I've been doing every single year. Uh, and I want to say it was a couple years after that, I ended up connecting with one of the other crew members of Oz9, uh, Richard Cohen, and he actually commissioned me for a piece of artwork. It was this Actually, uh, it was a character commission. That's what it was. It was a character commission for a possible project. And so we just kind of kept in contact and he ended up commissioning me for a few other pieces. And then eventually they were like, hey, you know, we've got a podcast. We've got these characters. We want to go ahead and, you know, see if you'd be willing to to develop a few of them and just kind of see what we can go from where we can go from there. And it was it was really interesting because I was like, I've never worked with a podcast before. Uh, I. It's a completely, like, I love podcasts, I love storytelling, I love all of this, and I just didn't quite know, like, where to take it. So it was a good good starting relationship, because we'd already had that rapport from previous commissions, previous projects, and then getting to meet uh, Shannon and Richard and everyone else, it was, yeah, it just kind of snowballed from there into all the various characters that you see today. So when you're designing a character... What is your process? So, for instance, let's take, and everybody that listens to me knows that I am this huge fan of the Albatross and Le Bichon Frise. So, let's take Le Bichon Frise. What was your process in creating the visual for the notorious French assassin? <laughs> oh, one of my favorite ones, actually. Um, well, with a lot of my characters, I... I really want to get to know who they are as a person. So when I'm working with a client, especially this crew, uh, I have I start to develop an idea of what I think they're going to end up looking like. But of course, the the voice actor has their own idea of what they look like. The rest of the crew has their own idea of what they look like. So it's nice to get their perspective of like who is this person to you. So I, I like to ask a lot of questions and just get the get to know the the character themselves. What are their likes? What are their dislikes? How tall are they? How short are they? Do they carry anything in particular? Do they sound a certain way? Like, because essentially what you're doing is you're creating an entire life. You're creating an entire person. So it's it can't just be here's a here's a pretty face uh, with a devilish mustache. You know, it's got a it's you got to kind of build from the ground up. So I ask a lot of questions, and from there, once I've gotten a good brief of information for my character, I start coming up with concepts. I don't stick with just one character, but I like to come up with a variety of different options. Again, kind of playing with what I think works based on the feedback that I've received from my client. But also, I like to expand the idea, play with a few different options that maybe just weren't quite in the brief, but might expand on the idea. And it's just a lot of back and forth. And it's a lot of just communication of like, well, does this work? Does that not work? Is there a particular color palette that you think would work best? Are you going for more uh, stereotype, stereotypical work? Or are you wanting to kind of elaborate more on where this character goes? And so it can be a bit of a process. Character design does take time. But by the time we got around to the finalized look of Le Bichon, uh, Bichon uh, Freeze, it was what you see today. We actually tried a variety of different weapons. We had tried a variety of different uh, angles. 
angles and poses. By the time we were done, I felt very confident in, in the look as to what they are today. So what would you say of all the characters in that process was the easiest of all? That was the oh, least amount of effort. I would say Leet, probably. Uh, Leet was just a lot of fun because just the way that the description was just like big guy, no shirt, just very confident and very uh, boisterous. And I was just like, all right, cool. That I think we can knock that out pretty quickly. But I think you captured him because if you listen to the podcast, I mean, from Colin to Jesse, even down to Mrs. Sheffield, the characters that have come, whether they are humanoid or whether they are robotic zebras, <laughs> they are all their own personalities, which is so very, very, very cool. It's been a lot of fun really getting time to develop a whole lineup of characters. Normally when I'm working on projects, I don't get the opportunity to to really take the time to focus on one or two characters at a time. I kind of have to develop them all at the same time or work with, an, uh, work with a, a larger group. So the fact that we've been working on these characters for quite a few years now, it's been fantastic. I will say though, there are times that I look back on certain characters and I'm like, because, again, some of these characters are at least a couple years old. But I look back and I'm like, oh, I could probably fix that one. Oh, I can change that one a little bit. But that's just the the perfectionist thing. Yes, just just little tweaks. That's all. Well, you said perfectionist. I just think that that's the creator. I think that's just part of the overall process. Mm -hmm. No, you're not wrong. We can always strive to do better, to build and grow. And uh, sometimes we get the opportunity to, and sometimes we just got to know when to say enough is enough. I don't think you have said enough is enough. And I think using something you just said as a segue, when you say opportunity to grow, Right now, we've got a Kickstarter going on for the Oz 9 comic book that you will be illustrating. So you've read this script, you've designed these characters, you've heard the episodes. Let's talk about how you translate that. Not just the visual of a single character, but now you're telling a story of the first episode and putting that in illustrated comic book form. Thoughts about that? Mm, yeah, that's that's a great question. Well, so the big thing with this is this story is built for audio purposes. So the way the the way everyone talks, the way the uh, the background noise happens, everything that's happening within the scene, it's meant to be a uh, audio storytelling. So how do you translate? all of that text, all of that dialogue into a comic book? And how do you still make it to where it is still visually uh, entertaining? Because there are definitely points in the in the story where character will start talking and they'll just keep going. And so how do you break that up into comics? I'm in the thick of it right now. I'm working on, I think I'm on page 12 right now of my inks with this page. But the way I, I generally break down, I, I especially broke down this particular comic is... They do such a great job with describing certain scenes and describing moments in the story and how they want certain things to be or how certain characters are interacting with one another. So I've probably listened to that first episode at least 50 times just because every time I listen to it, I I get something new. I get something a little bit different. And I ended up taking the original script and then rewriting it in more of a comics format so that way I can look at it panel by panel by panel. From there... Uh, I can kind of figure out the the visual language of how these characters are standing in a room, how they're talking to each other, how they're interacting with one another within a space. But it still has to fit within that traditional 24-page comic format. So it's the episodes aren't 
super long, but they're long enough to definitely fill that particular uh, particular timing. Yeah, it's it's been a trial, but honestly, I've had nothing but fun with it. One of the tropes that you hear in storytelling is in a visual medium, show, don't tell. But I think, and correct me if I'm wrong or tell me if you disagree here, and I may just be restating what you just said, but <laughs> I think the fact that in that audio medium, the story that Shannon is telling so that the audience understands what's going on, she literally has to tell us to show us. But I think that helps perhaps you in visual form, perhaps. Yes, you've had to break it down into comic book, but does it not also have all of those cues that you're hearing and seeing in the script? Does that not almost give this very elaborate blueprint, perhaps? It does. It really does, because all of the sound effects, all of the different timing and pacing of the characters, it does such a great job of of giving the sense to the scene. One of the things that was a little bit more, this is this is where my creative liberty comes into play. So this is set into a future timeline, having to think about, well, what kind of ships are there? What kind of robotics are there? Or what kind of technology is in that space? How many people are within that space? So really kind of starting getting, getting into the nitty gritty of it, because a lot of what is said in the podcast is it helps to deliver the story. But now I have to kind of fill in the gaps of, okay, we can, we can kind of get an idea of what this particular... Uh, story looks like but now I'm going back in and saying okay well this is this is my interpretation of what this story looks like it's kind of like old time radio uh, old time uh, detective shows uh, radio shows like you all everybody had this idea of Dick Tracy and the spirit and all these other characters as they interact in these worlds but then you start getting comics and visuals to kind of go along with it so it starts to reimagine what your own interpretation of it is because now you actually have visuals to accompany it because in my mind things are a little bit cleaner but then i talked uh, especially like with the ships and how the the spaces are supposed to be but then i get talking to shannon who's like oh no you know there's definitely uh, a lot grungier uh, scenes happening there's a lot more like the ships aren't as well maintained as you would think so i i do a lot of research in terms of just trying to figure out like the best way to artistically style the uh the element, every element of the show. Let's segue just a little bit away from Oz 9, not too far, but just a little bit away. And let's talk a little bit about your other projects. What else do you have going on? Well, that's a great question. So I'm currently working on a, I'm working on a graphic novel pitch with, with a crew. I can't really talk much more about that right now, but that is my other major project at the moment. Before that, I do a variety of different, uh, I used to do a variety of different First Friday galleries, uh, gallery exhibitions, things like that. But most of my work these days keeps me at home, keeps me in front of my computer. Uh, I do a little bit of everything from fine art illustration, uh, digital painting and traditional painting. Uh, I do a lot of character design for uh, various projects. I did like last year, like right at the very end of last year, I did some uh, character designs for a TV show. A lot of stuff I do I can't talk about. I can I can be like, hey, I do things, but that's about as far as I can get. I will say with COVID, it changed a lot of what I do. Beforehand, I used to go to Comic-Cons all the time. My goal was to be selling at shows, prints, stickers, comic books, even my own comic book right now due to how things have changed. Uh, Battlestar, which is about a warrior starfish, is on pause just because I have... I, 
in the wake of COVID, I ended up transitioning from <laughs> being more of a show-based artist to more of an online and just freelance artist. And it kind of keeps me busy. My my projects are a little bit everywhere at the moment. But in addition to that, I also teach uh, illustration and graphic design. So I'm a little bit everywhere. Uh, right I was now. fixing to say, you, my friend, sound like you stay very capital all caps very busy there's a reason why i really love coffee <laughs> oh good answer good answer <laughs> so let me ask you this this should be an easy question that no matter who is listening could go and find out where could listeners go to find out how to get in touch with you and i will put these in our show notes fantastic yeah i am everywhere on social media Basically, if you have Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, uh, you can pretty much find me just about everywhere these days. It's the same handle. It's Lucas Elliott Art. Elliott is E-L-L-I-O-T-T. A lot of people get that wrong. So then you end up meeting the other guy. And it's – anyway. But, yeah, you can also just find my my website. It's just LucasElliottArt.com. And I'm always open for any questions, any uh, comments, and just happy to talk art. I love it. Awesome. Well, I want to go back to the Oz 9 before we wrap, and I want to ask you two final questions. The first one being, if you had to name a favorite, which Oz 9 character is your favorite? And that could simply be not necessarily the character, but is in the design. Either way you want to take it, which character is your favorite? (laughs) Honestly, Joe. Joe, the uh, the janitor, is probably one of my favorite characters just because I loved drawing the character. I loved the the bio that I had for the character and that, that was given to me for him. But I just had a lot of fun just kind of thinking of this uh, kind of grumpy, grumpy old janitor character. I mean, it's a it's a character type that you see a lot. But this was this was a character that I got to to especially create. And I had a lot of fun uh, just being able to get to know them. And knowing how the story goes, I think that just makes that character so much more cool. No spoilers, but (laughs) yeah, I just think that what you just said is so cool. Like I said, knowing what I know about the character. So last question before we close, and this is one that I asked Shannon and she and I had a lot of fun with. So I want to ask you the same question. So here we go. You are stranded on a desert island, and you can only choose one of the following characters. Which one would you choose and why? Colin, Le Bichon Freeze, or Frise, the Albatross, <laughs> or Donna? Which one would you choose to be on the island alone with you and why? Mm, uh, let's see. So we've got Lebo. Uh, La Bichon Freeze, we've got the Albatross, we've got Donna, and who was the first one again? Colin. That was Colin? Yes. I mean, if I'm stuck on an island, if there's a no-win scenario on this one, um, you know, I might have to say Colin. <laughs> Colin is uh, is definitely one of those characters. I'm like, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm okay with, with, I mean, if you can if you can fly us out of there, that'd be great, but yeah. Shannon and I didn't even think of that. You're, the, you hit it. Because <laughs> theoretically, he could get us off the island. Theoretically, that's kind of where I was like, you know, I could I could put up with Colin for a little bit just because it's like, all right, Colin, you got the money. Let's uh, let's see what we can do. I like that. I like that a yeah. lot. Oh, that's cool. 
I, well, Lucas, I said that I wasn't going to keep you long, and it has been almost 30 minutes, and you've been waiting an hour before we started recording. So I just want to say thank you for being a part of Oz9 because I've loved the visuals that you've created. They have been in my iframe for the past two years of listening, and I can't wait for the comic. This has been such a pleasure. Just know that you are welcome back anytime you want to come and talk about any project you are doing. You are more than welcome. This has been so much fun for everyone listening. Go check out the Oz9 Kickstarter, and you can find that information in the show notes below. Check out Oz9 at oz-9.com. And with that, we will be back next time. You've been listening to The Discussing Network. Find out more at discussingnetwork.com.